This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today on CityCast Boise, it's Friday and I've got Morning Edition's George Prentice with me to chat about the week's news. We're talking Ada County Jail expansion, a chat with an unlikely mayoral candidate, and how to safely watch Saturday's eclipse. Plus, Snapping turtles in the Boise River. Just a heads up, there is a mention of suicide in this episode. It's Friday, October 13th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Hi, George. It's so good to have you back. So good to be back. So good to see you. So good to see you. And I'm really excited because you're going to talk about something here just to start us off that I have not been paying enough attention to, even though I'm very excited about it. The eclipse is coming up this weekend. It is. I think it's fair to say I'm a nerd. So that's (laughs) probably why I lean into it as much. But think of the few things that we all have in common, right? Um, And that is the solar system, right? And the, and who's in charge? Well, the sun is in charge. And then maybe planet Earth and maybe Earth, okay? But this is a really, really big deal. And I think it's one of those moments. We all remember that great eclipse, right, of a few years ago. The total darkness, right? That really spoke, spooky day that we all had. So what's interesting to me is that it is safe to look at a total eclipse with the naked eye. It is extremely unsafe to look at what will happen this Saturday. And it's technically called an annular eclipse. And what that means is there is no totality. So that's why you'll hear people say it's a ring of fire because you'll always see some of the sun. And because you see some of the sun, which is to say those outlines, that's what can really do serious damage to your eyes. So yeah, there's this path of the annular eclipse that just hugs a little bit of Southwest Idaho, but enough for us to see a bit of a show on Saturday morning. Will we get to have like the best experience or like there are better places to watch, probably? Yeah, but I think that it we're still going to get a pretty good experience. And I think it's just a matter of how will you experience this? So again, do not just go outside with a pair of sunglasses and say, oh, between 9.30 and 12, there's going to be this annular eclipse. I think I'll take a look. No, we're really serious. There have been countless incidents of people with permanent eye damage who stare at eclipses for you know, some amount of time. So there are viewing parties with telescopes, with the proper lenses, and then, and the internet is just filled, right, with uh, how you can build your own box with a little uh, pinhole. And, uh, and also, I think Ada community libraries are handing out free protective glasses. So, uh, so for goodness sakes, get protective glasses. The biggest problem is going to be the forecast. Oh, no, it's going to be cloudy, maybe. 
Right now, we're right on the edge. So tomorrow, uh, well, I mean, we, we've got a little bit of sunshine right today. Uh, and uh, But Saturday's forecast is partly cloudy, which is to say partly sunny. But what I've been learning is that with the right kind of clouds, we can still have a really good eclipse experience. So what is the right kind of cloud? And I know that there's a really fancy name for it, but it's the wispy, really high clouds that we will be able to see through, if you will, and look at this. So I've been spending time, as a matter of fact, I'll be honest, I'm a member of the Boise Astronomical Society. Oh, I didn't even know that was an option. Ooh, do you have a card? <laughs> I do. Um, oh, my now, gosh. <laughs> uh, you know why I'm a member? Why? You get free subscription to Astronomy Magazine, which is really cool. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's the best part, part about it. And so for, for the people who are listening, that's a pretty good deal. So, but I also get these emails and they have viewing parties uh, out in the desert and Brudo Dunes, etc. So there's going to be a viewing party on Saturday at Julius Kleiner park in Meridian. Now, it's a really, really big park. So let me give you the specifics on this. It's going to be near the basketball court. I was out there last weekend scoping out. Uh, I, I ran into fellow members of the Astronomical Society that I had never met before. And they said, oh, yeah, we're thinking about right here. And they're going to have, I don't know, half a dozen telescopes with protective uh, lenses on them, etc. And it's kind of cool to be around people who know what they're doing. I think there's also going to be a viewing party in the quad at Boise State. I think some uh, some astronomical students or astronomy students, I should say, are going to have an event there. So again, we're talking somewhere between nine and say 1130 on Saturday. Uh, the perfect path cuts across Oregon and down to Utah, Nevada, right down to the southern border. But it, it comes close enough to Idaho that will give us a bit of a show. And, you know, we could all use a free show. Where did you watch the last one? Because I, I remember kind of build, building up to the last one, kind of being like, I don't know if I'll go. I don't, it's not, doesn't sound that interesting. And then my family went up to High Valley to all watch it together. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, it was actually really, really cool. Yeah, I'm old enough to have seen a couple of total eclipses. So actually, <laughs> I can tell you that I was in a newsroom where I had dispatched, I think, five different reporters out to different areas so that they could experience it for the first time and uh, and also report on it. Uh, so I stepped outside like a lot of people. Um, but yeah, wasn't that, I mean, pure, I mean, pretty close to just darkness, right? In the middle of the day. It was. And it it really made you think how, you know, before a lot of modern technology, how you how you really would ascribe something something scary to it. <laughs> something, something creepy, really, something spooky. Whatever really your bad. beliefs, wherever you were, were you would be like, God is pissed. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it was genuinely like like as an animal, you felt it. You were like, something's wrong, something's weird. The birds all stopped chirping. Everything went so still. Uh it was it was really intense actually, especially because we were kind of up in the mountains too. So Oh, I bet. So I'm really into this stuff. I mean, the fact that we had as many supermoons as we had recently, I thought, and by the way, they're just gorgeous to look at, right? And uh, we've had a few uh, comet sightings. And by the way, there is going to be a total eclipse next year, a total eclipse. Now, it's 
not going to be anywhere near here. Uh, but uh, Eclipse Travel is a huge multi-billion dollar industry. And people have already made arrangements to go down. I think it's going to pass through San Antonio. And I think upstate New York is going to get a pretty good view of this. So think of like the Ohio Valley, et cetera. I mean, that's a pretty populated area. And so this is going to be the only topic of conversation. Uh, I think it's next spring. Oh, cool. I probably won't make it down to San Antonio for that, but who knows? Maybe we should plan it. <laughs> or, go, or go to New York. And, and there's going to be a lot of American cities that are going to be in the line and it goes all the way up uh, to Montreal. There's another good travel location. I highly recommend mm -hmm. Montreal. Uh, so, uh, but no, we're not going to get any piece of that action. I got to ask you, and I feel like I kind of already know the answer to this, but like my bestie is a real uh, like, you know, spooky witch astrological gal. <laughs> and mm. she is big on how eclipses, big, big life changers that like it's a real big opportunity to to do something. And, you know, I don't know how your last few months have been, but she told me sometime back in August Oh, you're in for a rough go. Uh, it's you got this super moon. Everything's in retrograde. She told me not to do anything until October 6th. And George, she was right. I mean, I don't even know wow. what I believe in this. But like, boy, I've had a very busy, rocky couple of months that she said we'd be done October 6th. But then she said that to watch out for the eclipse on Saturday. Do you believe in any of that? What do you think? Well, you know the answer, right? You said you were pretty sure. And I'm sure you're, you're right. I think it's no, but you always surprise me. You constantly surprise me. So I think it's no. It's a hard no for me. That said, I get as romantic and emotional as anyone on New Year's Eve when I kind of stack up the year. And by the way, this year has not been one of my favorite years. But I will tell you a secret. Uh, when astrology was really exploding in popularity in uh, the 60s and early 70s, my mom was all over it. And there was a book called Star Signs, which became like this global bestseller. And it's kind of like the go-to book. And every book has been pretty much copied from that. And she was all over it. And every morning, every morning, she would read my horoscope at the breakfast table. And uh, I, so, okay, so here's the proverbial question. What is your star sign? Gemini. Yeah. And what does that tell us about you? Uh, that I'm super changeable, attracted to novelty, and um, that I have like multiple personalities, all of which are very accurate descriptions wow. of me. So, <laughs> so I can't tell you too much about what my star sign means, but I can tell you that. What are you? Well, I'll, well, I'll tell you in a second. But every time I tell someone, it's a big eye roll, and they go, "Oh, so here we go." Okay, okay, Virgo. I have no idea. I'm just guessing something. <laughs> I'm a Scorpio. Oh, just like our own Frankie Barnhill. Oh, we love a Scorpio. There you go. George, this is this is news. This is news. If you're listening, George Prentice outed as a Scorpio man. Ooh. Yeah, but what the <laughs> He's hell? He's shrugging. He doesn't. <laughs> what the? I mean, seriously. I'm sure there have been serial killers. And, and I know that Walter Cronkite and Richard Burton were Scorpios. Scorpios but, are passionate. But yeah, but there's probably been totally evil people were Scorpios. I have no doubt. I know. But that's when, as far as I know, what I've been told is you got to find out your moon now, too. That's your son. You're Scorpio. 
sun, sun. I don't know. We're we're chewing the weeds. I'm going to ask you some political questions now, but I do love that I just found out that you're a Scorpio. Um, Like I said, always surprising me. Not many people. There's there's a scoop. Yeah. There's the scoop. That's the that's the the headline there. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it? a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. We've got the election coming up in just a few weeks, and I know you've been doing some of these really interesting long-form sit-downs with different candidates. Give me some highlights here. Uh, I'm blessed in that I get to host this program called Morning Edition, right, that uh, gives some breathing room for a conversation. And the fact is, I have (laughs) interviewed Lauren McLean and Mike Masterson probably dozens of times each uh, through their uh, public lives. So I know them fairly well. So I'm always looking for something different and interesting. Uh, so I'm going to I'm doing sit downs with each of the four candidates. But I, what I'd like to talk about just for a couple of minutes with you is I had a conversation with Aaron Reese, and Aaron Reese is one of four candidates on the ballot. So so let's categorize this. I think it's fair to say that people say, "Oh, Lauren McLean, oh, she's the mayor, she's the incumbent." Mike Masterson, oh, he's the former chief of police. Uh, Joseph Evans, oh, he's the uh, he's the libertarian. He's he's run for previous races as a libertarian. Aaron Reese, oh, who's Aaron Reese? Right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't think it's an exaggeration that there are more than a few people when they see certain candidates in any political contest. Uh, they roll their eyes and they say, oh, you know, just I'm not going to waste my time, especially if that person has an opinion that is way off the mark, not right of center, not left of center, but but just in, you know, in a, in a different field. Well, that is certainly Aaron Reese, and he'd be the first to tell us that. So the first thing I want to say that's a bit of a jaw dropper is that Aaron Reese is currently, and you may have heard about this, he is currently in the process of legally changing his name to suicidal. Mm-hmm. I did see that. Uh, so it's one thing uh, to say, that, you know, just anecdotally, but to actually, so I had to go there with him on that, on, okay, you're, you're talking about signing legal documents. You're talking about getting applications uh, for jobs, uh, for licenses, et cetera, where you would sign that. Um, and so in that conversation, and I don't think it would be a big surprise to you to know that he has had uh, his own experiences and the people that he has cared for, their experiences, that uh, have concerned self-harm. And that is a conversation I know that a lot of people don't want to be a part of, uh, would rather not have anything to do with that or think that it it muddies the debate over who should be our public official. Aaron Reese, by the way, has no expectation of getting any votes. He calls himself an anarchist, right? And he says, oh, I'll probably vote for Joe. Like he won't even vote for himself. But it's in, his presence in the campaign fascinates me. 
because, and I've really had to check myself with this. I really have to really rethink myself and just say, George, you know what? Far be it from you to decide who should be a candidate and who shouldn't be. Aaron Reese only wants us to have a conversation, as messy as that's going to be. At the heart of his campaign is what he calls bodily autonomy. Um, and, and there's all the implications that, that go with that. Um, and then his own pretty rocky road through life. So, Emma, let's pause and tell our listeners that if they or someone they know is in crisis, uh, there are really, really good, wonderful people uh, that can talk with them at 988, right? Uh, that, that crisis line. Yeah. And we know that. And so it's all, and, and we can't say that enough. Um, and so when I tell my news director or when I tell my colleagues, oh, hey, you know, about the suicidal, and it's like, oh my goodness, ooh, what are you going to do about that? And I said, well, I'll have, you know, the proper announcements before and after, et cetera. But I'm thinking, why not? Why not have a conversation, all kinds of conversations about bodily autonomy? And whether it's in the middle of a campaign or whether it's in the middle of a news story or it has nothing to do with anything that would end up in a newspaper or on the air, why not? And so, therefore, why not Aaron Reese? And uh, yeah, he would probably tell us, yeah, he's a bit of a mess, but he has dreams too. He has good days and bad days. And, uh, but I found him in that conversation to be fascinating, confusing, frustrating, uh, lively, challenging, all of it. Yeah, I read his, um, I read his Reddit AMA this morning. Oh, good. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. I listened to your conversation and I read Margaret Carmel had a great article in Boise Dev about him. And so I was able to get like, you know, quite a bit of information. And um, like you said, I mean, I obviously, yeah, he's not uh, probably going to get my vote, to be honest. But like, like you said, like, no, he's probably not going to get his own vote. Yeah. Not going to get his own vote. And he even said very um, many times on the Reddit thread, I'm not, I don't, I expect to get zero votes. I'm, I'm not actually doing this for this, this for the votes. I'm trying to start conversations around bodily autonomy. And um, uh, there's a lot there. If you read through the Boise Dev article, there's a whole lot of eyebrow raising that's going to happen for you. Highly recommend it. Margaret did a great job. Yeah, she really did. Um, but it kind of made me think about, um, you know, Joe Evans, who's also running, who does not expect to win, who has said he does not expect to win. Um, and how important I think, and we've had him on the program. We talked to him about medical marijuana and um, he and I disagree on uh, a lot of issues. We agree on a lot of issues also. Um, but I think that he is such an important person to have in this race because I do think having people who are like, honestly, Joe Evans situation, he's currently unhoused. Uh, you know, he one of his big policy things that he talked about at Jesse Tree uh, recently was uh, at the at that forum was he was talking about, you know, how it shouldn't be illegal to camp if you can't get into a shelter like that we're punishing people for being unhoused in the worst housing market the city has ever seen. Um, but honestly, Joe Evans is closer to my situation and most of the people I know our situation than Mike Masterson or Lauren McLean in that like, you know, like I'm a renter. 
I've, I've been evicted. I've had, you know, I, I have three kids and have been scraping by financially for most of my life, you know. So I do think having somebody who is actually talking about a lot of the issues that really affect people day to day, whereas, you know, from Masterson's campaign, I'm seeing a lot of stuff that, you know, affects people who are uh, more upper middle class, like, you know, the fear of not having enough parks in West Boise, which I live in West Boise and I share that that frustration. But I also think we probably have some bigger things going on right now with with uh, like like really big housing issues and, and things like that. So I, I appreciate that Joe is running for mayor. Aaron, too, even though I... Uh, I found less to connect to <laughs> in his mm-hmm. narrative, although I do think he's right that the bodily, bodily autonomy piece does seem to be um, something that's not not getting enough traction and talked about enough in Boise, although he's approaching it from a couple angles that I'm like, well, that's not for me. But um, but yeah, I agree with you that these conversations are so expensive. Who, you know, and why a mayor's race? Why not? Why? Why? Yeah. Could be a congressional race, could be a gubernatorial race as long as it's part of a conversation. But imagine uh, someone hearing or reading about that that really doesn't know what bodily autonomy is, for instance. It's not the most common phrase uh, that is uttered, and yet it we all uh, it impacts every one of us, and it's something we, we should be talking about. One other note, and I, you know, we have no polling here in Boise, right? Uh, anyone who bets on this race is a fool. A third or fourth person in a race doesn't have to move the needle too much to uh, trigger a, uh, a runoff. And again, we saw this four years ago, now with a lot more yeah. candidates in the race, and, and some of those candidates got a lot more votes than I expect Joe or Aaron to get. But they really won't have to move the needle too much that could trigger a runoff. And what that means is, folks, if you remember what that movie looks like, that means having another election in December uh, with the with the top two candidates. So could that happen? Yeah, it could. I feel I feel like you could bet on it. Oh, you could. You could bet on it. You just shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Dave Beter was absolutely a thousand percent sure that he was going to swamp Lauren McLean. You're right. You know what? You're right. Actually, yeah, you're right. Okay, you're right. I was thinking. I, I was thinking McLean probably has it in the bag. Only because honestly, I, this morning I heard uh, I was listening to the Latino card, and uh, you know they interviewed uh, both candidates. Uh, JJ and Rachel did. I don't know if you've heard this yet, but they asked Mike Masterson what his favorite Mexican restaurant in Boise was. Oh, no. Did not have an answer. Didn't. I mean, that to me, I'm like, you don't you don't have this race. I thought maybe thought it was a little more. I mean, you can't think of a single Mexican restaurant in Boise that you're a fan of. Somebody who's been here for like six months could come. up. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I could wow. tell you I could tell you 13 right now. Like I, <laughs> I would starve to death if it wasn't for Mexican food. Thank God for all the great places in town. But the fact that he couldn't answer that and then his answer was, well, you know, we spend a lot of time up north. And I thought, what? Who is... Who coached you for this, man? Like, you don't have an answer for what Mexican restaurant, and then you say you spend most of your time up north? What does that mean? North Idaho? Canada? What does that mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, up in the Arctic? The North Pole? What is that? Uh, that's why you haven't been able to find good Mexican food. <laughs> I don't think he wants to win. Did they? Oh, he wants to win. Honestly, like, why you wouldn't come into that conversation knowing that they're going to ask you questions about the 
Latino population and your engagement and like the smallest of those questions is going to be, where do you like to eat? You know, where do you engage with the Latino population at the very least with their food, you know? And I don't know, I got even just listening to him on there. I was like, do you not want this? Are you a little like Marianne Jordan convinced you to run and it seemed like a cool idea, but now everybody's asking all these questions. (laughs) It's just getting harder. I don't know. It just didn't seem like his heart was in it. Well, he was convinced to run. He was convinced to run. That said, he's a big boy and, it, he, you know, it, yeah. it's his decision. But did they ask the mayor the same question? Uh, did she have an answer? They did, but I uh, I had skipped ahead. Maybe you were just laughing. So, okay. Yeah, I should. You <laughs> okay. know what? To be to be fair, I should have listened to Mayor McLean's answer too. But I I somebody told me to listen to that part specifically also. So I kind of jumped. I was excited to hear. <laughs> I knew McLean would have a good answer. <laughs> I was dreading if he. I haven't heard when you said, "Oh, do you know what he said?" I'm thinking, "Oh my God, please don't say Taco Bell." It's like, you know, but he didn't say it, <laughs> but he didn't say it. No, I've heard that from some public oh, clueless folks. But I mean, for him not to have any answer is actually to even not more- even have Taco Bell in his back pocket. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, my God. OK. Blake and I have been talking about this, but I really want to get your thoughts on the proposed Ada County jail expansion before we go. What do you think? Well, uh, so I don't want to bury the headline. It will require a supermajority to pass. I think that's a really tall hill to climb to get a supermajority on anything. And voters have a tendency not to say, oh, I'd love to give you more money. Even if it's for schools. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, and Ada County, Ada County. So that's that's across the county. And it's going to be really tough. So we're talking about uh, the average person would pay, I don't know, about $15 a year on a 20-year bond. But all they see is bond. No, no, no. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. But here, here it is. There are in right now. There are inmates not only sleeping on the floor. There's a whole bunch of them sleeping on the floor in the same room. And I know where this is heading. This is heading toward not passing very basic standards and possibly getting your butt sued. If not from the Department of Justice, then from ACLU or from any number of organizations. So uh, to the sheriff's credit, yeah, he's, he says, yeah, we have to have this bond. So they've got a, about 1,100 beds right now. They want to add about 211 more beds. One other uh, interesting note, I think a lot of people will say, well, the jail is filled with people who have been booked on misdemeanors, right? That's that's a very common argument. Well, you know, why do you have all these people in there on marijuana charges? Uh, the latest statistics that I saw was that 86% of the inmates at the Ada County Jail were there on felonies. That's a really high number. You don't have a choice. You've got to put uh, people accused of felonies behind bars until they've had their day in court. That said, though, uh, the Ada County Prosecutor's Office uh, has a, a reputation for put for when they charge people, charging as many things as they possibly can so that they can get a better plea deal. And so a lot of the people who are being held, you know, are, have not even been convicted yet. A lot of them cannot get bail. They cannot get bond, you know, so I... Different conversation, though. That's that's judicial is it review. Though? It is. It is. We disagree pretty hard on this. It's our first fight. 
Well, I mean, the bottom line is the jail is the landlord. They're not the prosecutors, right? Um, so it's it's the prosecutors who want to play that game. That's that's your point, right? Uh, but if indeed there's an F there instead of an M, sorry, they're staying behind bars. That money is, you know, that $15 a year for people, uh, that money is not, you know, it's finite. How much money can people can afford to pay on taxes, what people can can put toward this. And if a lot of people are like, I don't want to expand the jail. Really hard. I want you to have more people out of jail. I want these this money. I want my $15 personally a year to go to better mental health services, housing for people. I, I mean, I, I feel like if you expand the jail, they're going to fill it. That's that's it. It'll be it'll be 15 years before we have to do another expansion and another one. They're just going to keep filling these. Right. And, and I think that's the argument. And that's the point. Now, the sheriff right now is trying to tell as many people who will listen, oh, we have all of these programs, right, uh, uh, to to keep people out of jail and, and uh, to lower recidivism, et cetera. And I'm thinking, well, heck of a time to learn about that. Uh, while you're telling us how how great things are, while you're trying to basically campaign for me to to vote yes on this, so at the very least he's got a horrible messaging problem, and at most I'm a little skeptical. Why am I hearing about programs in this 45 day window where you want my yes vote? This will be really interesting. It's going to be really difficult for them to get a supermajority. Now, for people to say, no, I'm not going to vote for this uh, until you get your your stuff together, that said, inmates are going to continue to sleep on the floor uh, in higher numbers. So what I haven't heard yet is a promise. It's like, yeah, if we do this, we promise to do this. So in other words, you can do all kinds of things with a bond. You don't necessarily have to get a bigger jail. Why doesn't 90% of that revenue go toward programs? Why doesn't 90% of that program actually uh, check those recidivism rates? And in other words, to to an independent audit that happens every 90 days for, you know, I'm just thinking outside the box. So I haven't heard that. How it always feels to me is we have enough money to incarcerate people, which is not cheap. We always have enough money to incarcerate people. But when when it comes down to, hey, can we get 15 bucks a month for the West Ada School District to update their very broken uh, buildings? You know, people voted against that bond. I, ex- I expect that they'll probably vote against this one, too. Um, people are broke. And I think everybody is starting to kind of a lot of people are starting to think, hey, wait a minute. We're just going to keep expanding this and expanding this when my $15 a year could go towards building housing. I, I love what you said about that. And I, you know, I disagree with some of it. I got one more thing to say, and this is what's not getting enough attention. The Ada County commissioners have just decided to spend money, which is to say your money, <laughs> um, tax money on a PR campaign, on a marketing campaign to push this bond. Yeah. What's that all about? Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't even thought of that. Holy cow. Oh, we're going to start seeing mailers and all that. And, and by the way, they're going to have to, you know, be very balanced and say, oh, we're not advocating this. We're just saying this is what, you know, what the uh, statistics are for the for the jail. And I'm not saying those those statistics are wrong. That said, you've got a problem if you need to spend tax money on a marketing campaign to get people to vote uh, yes on on a bond. 
let's end on something fun um, that, well, except it's not very fun. Um, I'm actually really alarmed by it. Um, did you see a bunch of videos going around Twitter and Reddit uh, that a man caught a gigantic snapping turtle in the Boise River? And apparently, this it's an invasive species. Obviously, snapping turtles not not native to Idaho. Uh, but apparently, people in the comments and stuff were saying, oh, yeah, we've had snapping turtles for the last, like, five years. There's two at Dog Island that are very large floating around, apparently. There's some. Uh, there's one people have spotted at Veterans Park Pond. I am moving is my point. I have lived in the South. I have lived in Mississippi and the deep South and snapping turtles like can bite your foot off. And I am so I'm already like a little wary of what's in water that I can't see. And now knowing that there's I may not ever get back in the water in Boise knowing there's snapping turtles here. Yeah. um, For people to romanticize this is nonsense. I too have lived in the South. Um, snapping turtles are not cute. There's nothing about them that uh, should be put in a box and taken home. Uh, so, so knock it off. This is this is a problem. Uh, am I surprised snapping turtles are here? No, not really. Uh, I guess I'm not surprised at anything anymore in the ecosystem. <laughs> I was surprised because I was like, you, you really, it's not too, it's not too cold here. Like you're telling me with our, our very chilly winters, I guess they're not what they used to be, but still well, I mean, like, but you know how that works because you know, they, they, they burrow deep into the mud, right? Uh, when, when things freeze over. So that's how they survive. I hate it, George. I hate it. And the picture, the, the, the picture of that thing, it was enormous. It was like a trash can lid and he caught it in the Boise river. And it, by the way, if you see a snapping turtle or don't try to catch it, they have, they really are like dinosaurs with like, they're all jaws is my point. They're just like, they will bite your hand off. Uh, they're very scary. Well, a lot of people think that they're just cute and slow. It's like, sorry, you've been mm-hmm. watching too many cartoons. No. Yeah. They're super fast and they're pretty cranky. And if you see one, call fish and game. Don't try to touch it or anything. Call fish and game. Send a picture of the location to them. Let them know. But definitely don't try to catch it. They will hurt your pet. They will hurt your pet, if not kill them. Yeah. If you have a little dog and you're walking down by the river or the greenbelt, keep an eye on them for sure. Because uh, yeah, they will just pop out of the water and snap like they... <laughs> They don't care. They are. I don't. I don't want to live. I'm gonna have to move north where Mike Masterson's hanging out, wherever that is. I'm but going. There's no Mexican the restaurants cause... up there, so it's like <laughs> never like, mind. I die. Like, I die. Like, Mexican restaurants are all over the <laughs> Canada. It's like where, where where are there where are there not Mexican restaurants? I'm my gosh. I mean, and we're so lucky here to have, you know, such an incredible large Latino population. And we have really good Mexican food here. So, I mean, I eat Mexican food twice a week, at least. I don't know. I don't know. He's like, we don't really eat out much. I was like, what are you talking about? It's tacos. It's taco truck food. Like, it's $7. They were so blessed. Like, Isn't that just American? That's American food. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, George, thank you so much for breaking everything down with me. Watch out for that snapping turtle. And uh, maybe I'll see you down watching the eclipse somewhere. Well, watch out for the eclipse too. protect those eyes. Will do. Thanks, George. Thanks, Emma. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show was produced by Evelyn Avitia, A.K.L. Mootman, and me, Emma Arnold. Blake Hunter writes our Hey Boise newsletter with help this week from Natalia Aldana, and our music is by Up Is The Down Is The. If you enjoyed our show today, leave us a review. It helps other people find us. 
We'll be back Monday with more stories from around the city. Bye. Bye.